Hey everybody, you're listening to the River Audio Podcast, a weekly sermon podcast of the River Worship Center. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. So we have all of these passages, and these are just two. There's a lot more about unity in the body of Christ, unity with the brethren because of our union with Christ. We want, to be, we want all of us to be on the same page with the one that we are one with. And if we are all in agreement with that one, then we are all one together on the same page with this whole plan and this whole mission, right? But I want to also pull out that in it, God's heart, let's pray real quick before we jump in. Father, thank you again, and thank you for these words. Thank you for these passages. Thank you that we have your word. I believe that you've given me this today to share with your people, and I believe that it's more than a sermon. I believe that it's a message. I believe that you are telling us this for right now, that this addresses issues in the home right now, in marriages, in families, in the church, and it also addresses the need for this content for where you are taking us. And so that's my prayer. I put all that before you, and I need your help today. Help me to say it. Help me to say it. In Jesus' name, amen. God's heart. And God's mind is always family, is always relationship. It is always teamwork. It is always together. It is never, in, it, it is never one as the individual. It's one as the whole. That's God's mind and heart. Listen, God did not need to make people in order for God to be complete. God did not need you in order to be fulfilled. God has never lacked. He's God. He is whole. He is complete. And in eternity past, always has been. But for whatever reason, he wanted to make us. He had a love to make us and made us to love us. And that we would all be in union with each other, with him. That's God's heart. God's heart is that all of humanity accepts his invitation to all be his family and to all bear his image and to bring him glory in the earth by professing that he is the one true God, giving, giving credit to the one that made it, come on, and then demonstrating his heart to each other in the way that we treat one another. God's heart and mind is always family, always relationship, always teamwork, always together. Simply, 
Unity. Unity. What is unity? Well, we, we know that that word, uh, we know what uno means. Come on. That means a game where you fight and double up and stack cards, right? Uno means one. Uno, una, una, you know. You know uno? It means, it means one. Una is one. Unity means oneness. It doesn't just mean Unity doesn't just mean one thing. It means the oneness of multiple things operating as if they were one. Unity, praise the Lord, Olivia, praise the Lord. Unity is not talking about a single item. It's talking about multiple items or multiple people operating with common purpose, Operating together, strengths and weaknesses, and you're good at this, and I'm good at that, and, you know, uh, nuts and bolts hold things together, but then the oil lubricates the machine so it doesn't get too hot in this part. You got all these different parts with different abilities, and but they work as una. These different parts come together and work as one thing. Unity, oneness, or working as one, a unit, a unit. A unit is parts working together for a common goal, common need, unity. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, talking about the body of Christ. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. So it is with Christ. When you became a believer, when you were born again, when you realized you were a sinner in need of a Savior, and you believed on Jesus, you came to Jesus, and you, you said, I, I know that I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness, and I want to place faith in what you did at the cross, the fact that you came from heaven to earth, the fact that you died on the cross for me, for my sin, and you rose again. When you did that, you probably knew that you were forgiven. You were probably told that part. Sometimes we are not told that we became one with the person that forgave us and in doing so became one with every other person that has become one with the one that forgave them. When you got saved, you did not just get forgiven. You were baptized into the body of Christ. You were grafted into the vine. You as a branch were grafted into the one true vine, Jesus. You are in union with Christ and with the whole body. Welcome to the family. Come on, one blood, one covenant, one sacrifice, one redeeming 
uh, sacrificial lamb. We became one. So it is with the body of Christ. Christ's body is made up of many parts, but that are one body. And a lot of body parts wish that they were other body parts. But they're not realizing that if they do the job of another body part, now nobody's doing the job that only that body part can do. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 will go on to say, if the foot says to the hand, I'm not part of the body, come on. You can go back and read it all. We don't need everybody to be eyes or ears. We need some people to be the eyes and some people to be the ears and some people to be the hands and some people to be the feet. We need some people to be the givers to transport the thing. We need some people to do the work. We need some people to say the message. We need some people to cry and hold and hug like la la. And we need, we need all these different body parts. We need all these different body parts to come together in unity. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Is it on our mind and on our heart? Do we go around thinking, what could I do to encourage that one to be full of joy and love? Or do we just say, I can't deal with them. I don't like their stank attitude. They wronged me. They crossed me. They need to just do what I'm doing. This says we're supposed to be considering, hey, how could I be a blessing and an encouragement to others in the body? What could I do that would inspire them and that would motivate them, would encourage them? What could I do to stir that up, to move them to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. The body of Christ is supposed to be meeting together. This movement that is happening where people, Christian people, people they claim to be Christian, and I'm sure, I'm sure many of them you know, are saved. I'm not questioning their salvation, sort of. Uh, this movement of trying to tell people why they don't need church doesn't make any sense. It flies in the face of the heart of God that we were shown from Genesis all the way through the book. Everything with God was about family and the family getting together and the family getting together for worship and for prayer and for service and for laughing and for crying and on and on and on. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. We're seeing that's the habit of some again. But encouraging one another and doing it all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, the the King James and other translations says, assembling together. And we know that to assemble something means you take the different parts and you put them together to get something you didn't have when they were individual parts. You know, a machine is an assembly of lots of different parts. Look at this. Matthew 18, 19 is what most of us call in Scripture the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. And years ago when I read the prayer of agreement in the classic 
Amplified Translation. It blew my mind. Jesus says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth, now the focus is not on the two, the focus is on being more than one getting together. So it's not, you know, two is not the magic number. It's more than one getting together. If two of you on earth agree, which means harmonize together and make a symphony together about whatever, anything and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. I've told the story so many times about the lady at the altar that she would say, hey, let's touch and agree. Let's touch and agree. And then she would physically touch you and then pray. And she thought that's what it meant to touch and agree. That's not what it means to touch and agree. All right? This is a life thing. This is a decision and a commitment. This is a faith-filled sacrifice that if my brother or sister, if we, we come together and somebody says, hey, we have this need. This is, we, we, we've determined God's will in the situation. Will you pray with me? It means that spiritually, I lock arms with you, not for two minutes at the altar. It might start there. But it means that we team up. Do you know how to harmonize? Different voices take different parts. And each person stays in their lane, we hope. And together they sing, and you get a chord. You get, when you're in a chord, you get a chord. Isn't that interesting? Um, you, you hear a, a chord. You hear these different parts together, and it is a sound that you couldn't have gotten any other way. It is a big sound, and it is a full sound. Nobody can do it by themselves, but together you get the job done. He goes on to say they make a symphony. You know, a symphony, you go to hear the symphony, and while you're listening to the symphony, you have a real hard time hearing one of the instruments. You're hearing them all together. But if you've got a section that drops out, it affects the end result. Well, it's like this in the body of Christ. A lot of people don't take seriously their part, so they just don't show up. They're around when it's convenient, or they're around when they need something. Well, guess what? We need you all the time. And maybe somebody else is going through an inconvenient time. So why don't we present ourselves as living sacrifices and say, you know what? I'm going to get to the house of God with my family. I need them. They need me. Jesus needs we. We are all one. And we're going to get together, and we're going to get this thing. We are going to form a cord we're going to harmonize. I'm going to sing my part in my Christian walk, and you sing your part. We're going to form a symphony, and we're going to make an impact that could have never been made any other way. Is this helping anybody today? Whoo, this is good. Would you slap your neighbor and say, we're better together? We are better together. Better together. <laughs> Amen. All right. Some of you are getting violent. Amen. So listen, we are, we are better. We're better together. 
We're better together. We can get a lot more done. We can cover a lot more ground. We can touch a lot more people. We are better together. Now, I hear the way you're amening. I suppose that means you will now be here every Sunday as a committed, faithful part. Because your mouth's writing checks, your body can't cash. <laughs> we want to see you here. And I'm glad you're amening and shouting. Come on. Hallelujah. We are better together. We're better together. There are things that we are missing when we're not together. There are things that we lack when we are not together. You are important. You are an important part of the body of Christ. You are an important part of this local church. If you've been feeling like you're called to this church, or if, you're, if you say, you know, I, hey, I'm not there very much, but I consider, I consider that my home church. If you consider this your home church, you are needed we need you here, and we want you here. Your presence is important. Better together. Psalm 133. Listen to this. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. How great it is when the family's willing to get along. And that takes effort because we all come from different places. And we all think differently. It takes a lot of mercy. And it takes a lot of grace. And it takes a lot of patience. And it takes a lot of give and take. And it takes a lot of overlooking stuff. You remember how love sees no wrong? Come on. Love is not envious. Love does not boast. Love does not proud. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love chooses to see the best in, my God, love chooses to see the best in everyone. This is what it's going to take, but it's worth it. It is worth it to put in the love. It is, it's worth it to put in the time. It's worth it to put in the mercy and the grace and grow together. It's worth it if you work it. Come on, somebody. No, uh, dip, 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 dip. Listen, I drew a line, and I got as close as any of us are supposed to get. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Unity. I'll take that, Lord. It's my fault. Unity is a powerful thing. Unity is a powerful, listen, unity is a powerful principle all the time, even when you don't use it for the right reason. Folks start getting together and teaming up. Unity will, get, if you don't believe me, go to the Tower of Babel. Come on. Genesis 11, 1 through 6. Now, the whole earth had one language, and they all had the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks. No problem. Burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, bitumen for mortar. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. No problem. A tower with its top in the heavens. Now, it's starting to teeter a little bit. Talking about we want to touch the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. And that's where they lost it. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. They had a plan. 
Many are the plans of man, but the Lord's plan. Come on, you remember? They had a plan. We're all going to live here. We're going to do it our way, and we're going to make a great name for ourselves. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. Have you ever heard the Lord say, don't make me come down there? And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. The Lord, the Lord said, when folks get together on the same page, when they bind together in unity, they can get a thing done. In this case, it was a wrong thing. I'm telling you that unity is powerful. But when people get together for the right reasons, if you can get people to operate in unity, in agreement with God's plan, well, isn't it amazing that every church in our town is not exploding? It should be that there's no space left. How is it that all these churches are so old and that people are not, that it's not bursting at the seams? I wonder what would happen if we as a church made a, look, Jesus turned the whole world upside down with 12 people. I wonder what would happen if we made a real commitment to start loving like Jesus loves, that we would love each other like Jesus loves, and that together we would start loving the world intentionally like Jesus loves, and then giving them the goods, and then telling them why for the love. When people get together for the right reason, man, you can get anything done with unity. When we walk in agreement with God's purpose and in unity with each other, in agreement with his heart, his goal, his plan, it's amazing what we could get done. I want you to consider something. I hope the kids hear every word that I'm saying today. Because kids, you need to understand this in your life. And some of us grown-ups need to understand this in our life. Not just in the spiritual context, but in the practical, in the common sense. Consider this. Nobody ever did anything great by themselves. No one ever did anything great alone. I should say nobody ever did anything that was great and lasting. There were some people that did some things that were lasting, but they weren't great. And there were some people that did a couple great things, but they weren't lasting. To do something great and something lasting requires more than you. It requires, I got butterflies. It requires teamwork. It requires togetherness. It requires unity. Brothers and sisters, I don't mean in the body, I mean little brothers and sisters. Your your home, your families, your household can be a lot better if y'all will get along. If y'all will get along. And it might, take, it might take work. Kids' church goes better when friends get along. When the kids get along. Now, kiddos, I'm, I'm almost done. I won't be talking much longer. From now till the time I stop, 
you know, I did a special presentation at the beginning, and I have a, I got a special presentation at the end, too. I'm going to get volunteers. <laughs> so this is going to be good. So kiddos, if you want to see the special presentation at the end, hang with me. Listen real close to what I'm getting ready to say, okay? You can do great things when you get along. There is great benefit when you get along. Everything we do in life, everything we do for the Lord, it requires more than you. None of us can do big, lasting stuff alone, and that's okay. Sometimes we feel like it's wrong to need help. Sometimes we feel like it's wrong that we don't already know all of the answers. Sometimes we don't want to ask for information. Don't look at Heidi like that. Sometimes we don't want to ask for information. Sometimes we don't want to ask for help. Sometimes we don't want to say that we don't have all the stuff. We got this thing inside that we want to be self-sufficient. You may have heard this in the story of the Tower of Babel when they said, we want to do it. Come on. There's something inside that says we want to make a name for ourselves. If you're going to do anything awesome in your life, you're not supposed to do it by yourself. You're supposed to share the workload, and you're supposed to share the reward, and that's okay. It's how it's supposed to be, and it's the only way that it will work. Now, everything I've told you today is leading up to this line. Unity, togetherness, teamwork is unstoppable. And this is why the number one attack of the enemy is division and discord. Unity is the great superpower. If the devil wants to stop something, he doesn't stand at the finish line to stop you. He goes way back to where you are right now, and he tries to sow discord. Brothers, little brothers and sisters, siblings, the devil would love for you to not have happiness and you to not have peace. And the devil will suggest to your mind, he'll give you little thoughts, he'll suggest to your mind to fight and to argue about things that don't even really matter. And all that happens when you do that is that you are robbed of a wonderful friend that probably lives right in your house. You are robbed of wonderful experiences. You're robbed of being able to play fun games together and have a wonderful relationship together and have joy and peace and laughter and to be a tremendous blessing to your parents and maybe your neighbors and to your church. Listen, we don't wait till we grow up to be part of the church. You're the church right now. You are part of God's church right now as much as I am. You don't grow up and then it's official. You have an impact on the world around you right now. And when we're fighting and bickering about stuff that doesn't even matter, well, I think it's this way. Well, I think it's this way. And actually, it doesn't even matter which way it is. We're being robbed. But listen, that's not the number one area of Satan's attack of division. 
We could talk about division in the church, but do you know what I think is, is the enemy's very, 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 very favorite area to attack? Marriage. I think that the enemy targets because here you have the foundation of the home. And if the enemy can sow discord in a household, if he can get the leaders of the household pitted against each other, all of a sudden things begin to unravel and fail. When we are pitted against each other, siblings, husbands, wives, pastors, congregants, uh, leaders, students, when we are pitted against each other, we have made a decision with our mind to give in to negative emotions and agree with the devil. We have agreed with him. He offered us a terrible feeling. He suggested a terrible fight and said, here. And we said, yes. Yes, thanks, I'll have some. And we came into agreement with him. Listen, James 3, 14 through 16. Because all of this discord revolves around selfishness. I'm right. I'm right, and I'm going to argue until, you, until everybody admits that I'm right. My view is right. My way is right. My opinion is right. I think it's, I think it's pink and gold if you think it's mint and white or whatever. What's the dress and the shoes picture and all? And we'll fight over anything. We'll fight over toilet paper direction. We'll fight over toothpaste tubes. We'll fight, we'll fight over the thermostat. I am going to fight over the thermostat. I'm not giving that up. I'll fight over the thermostat. We will we'll fight over, gosh. And at the end of the day, the things that we fought over, when you win an argument, what do you really win? What do you really win? Did, did you cause that person to think of you favorably? Listen, James 3, 14 through 16. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above. It's earthly. It is unspiritual. It's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. Do you know there are a lot of people that are genuinely saved and genuinely carnal? Christians seem to think that carnal means you are out committing all the big label sins. That's not what carnal means. Carnal is not about this sin and that sin. Carnal is anything that's not spiritual. We can either agree with the Holy Spirit's way, we can agree with Jesus, or we can agree with the emotional, <laughs> with the emotional way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a way, you know? 
I mean, that, that conveyed it, right? You got it. You got it. Listen to this. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. This is the last scripture. And I got one little thing I wanted to. Oh, is that my timer? Does that mean I got to shut up? Is that what you're doing now? Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Kids, did you know that God hates? Did, did anybody know that God hates? We all know that God loves. Did you know that he hates? Listen to this. There are six things that the Lord hates. You see, being completely good means you automatically hate things that threaten goodness. If you're completely good, you hate the stuff that robs people of it. Here are the six things, seven, that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, prideful, arrogant, cocky, conceited, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, get ready for the grand finale, the last one on the list, one who sows discord among brothers. God hates it when people come against unity and when people sow discord and division where there's supposed to be harmony and a symphony. God hates it. A couple of years ago, the Lord spoke to me and told me the recipe of unity. What is unity? How do we have it? It's three things. To be in unity with someone else, we need, that's a great sound, truthfully. Where's that? Where's the baby at? Where are we at? Uh, here's unity. A common goal, a common enemy, and a plan, and a plan. Some of us want some of the same things, but we're not against the same things. Some of us are against some of the same things, but we don't have the same goals. And some of us maybe want some of the same things, and we're against some of the same things, but we never put together a plan. They're just lofty ideas. You know, there's some people that are full of ideas, and they never get anything done, because everything they're doing is getting in the way of everything they're doing. A common goal, a common enemy, and a plan. If we can seek God that together we'd want the same thing, and let's get that from the Bible. And if we can get on board that we're against the same thing, and let's find out what that is from the Bible. And then let's write a plan and make it plain that those that read it may run with it. And all these different parts all these different accessories, all these different body parts, we will be working together in harmony, making a symphony as one machine that can get the thing done like nothing else can. Now, I got one. I told you I did something at the beginning. got to do something at the end. But the message part is done. Hang with me for a second. I got to do a little, little fun thing. Okay. Did this help anybody today? 
Put your hands together. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons give you real hope for real life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook or Instagram at The River.